0: Science shows that if you don't get the recommended amount of sleep just for one night. So let's say that you have one night of interrupted sleep, the dog's barking or you have something on your mind and you get about four hours of sleep. Your immune cells actually reduce by 70 percent.
1: Life is complicated, but getting healthy doesn't have to be. Welcome to Endo Medical Center's podcast, Health Matters. I'm your host, Daniela Contreras. Listen to experts and everyday people share real stories and resources to improve our health and well-being. Almost everyone has experienced a sleepless night full of tossing and turning. In fact, a third of the adults in the United States reportedly get less than the recommended amount of sleep. A consistent lack of sleep can increase the risk of type 2 diabetes, heart disease, obesity and depression, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Getting an adequate amount of sleep is not only for comfort, but it's essential for good health. What are the risks of not getting enough sleep and how can you get more sleep? I'm here with Alexa Janicki, an physical therapist, to talk about the importance of sleep. Thank you so much, Alexa, for being here today. Yeah, thank you for having me. So can you tell us? How much sleep do adults need, and what about kids and children and infants?
0: Yeah, adults need about 7 to 9 hours, infants 12 to 16, and children 9 to 14 hours of sleep.
1: And what happens when we're sleeping? What are the benefits of it?
0: Yeah, so sleep is vital to resetting our minds and bodies. Um, It's termed nocturnal therapy because we process emotions, lay down new memories from short-term to long-term, And it has impacts on our heart rate, blood pressure, insulin levels, immune function, and our problem-solving capabilities.
1: I love that nocturnal therapy. Yeah. So what are some ways that people can increase their sleep or have a more consistent sleep?
0: So we need about 30 minutes of aerobic exercise daily and bonus if you can get it in in the morning or at least two to three hours before your bedtime. So exercise is a pretty key part of that the other part is just getting out and getting some sunshine so we need about 30 to 40 minutes of natural sunlight and it's better to do it in the morning it's okay to go outside on a cloudy day so i learned that sunlight actually helps reset your circadian rhythms naturally Mm -hmm. so if you're jet lagged or you're super off your sleep schedule sometimes just going out and going for a walk is good but don't bring your sunglasses Oh, because you actually need the sunlight coming directly into your eyes to help reset the rhythms, finding a regular sleep routine. So going to bed at the same time, getting up at the same time. So like I struggle with sleep on Sunday nights, mostly because I've been staying up a little bit later, Friday mm-hmm. and Saturday nights, and maybe thinking about the work week up to come uh-huh. on the next week, but at least forcing yourself to go to bed Mostly in the similar time and getting up in a similar time as the work week is the most helpful. Having a regular wind down routine is really important. So about an hour before bedtime, dim the lights, do something relaxing like Mm -hmm. journal or read or listen to music or meditate. I kind of think of it as like our bodies are a dimmer switch. It's not just an on and off button. So you have to signal yourself yourself. Hey, it's time to go to bed. Mm-hmm. Let's start to wind down. So having a regular schedule, having a wind down routine, making sure your bedroom is cool enough. Apparently, the optimal temperature is actually 65 degrees. Oh, wow. I know, super cold, it's right? Cold. Uh-huh. Yeah, especially in Chico when it's 100 uh-huh. degrees still at 8 o'clock at night. So the next suggestions are to keep the bed for sleeping. So if you work from home or... You know, respond to emails in bed, do that somewhere else because your brain makes a, an association with whatever you're doing in bed. So try to keep it for sleeping and try and keep it pretty dark because darkness actually starts to trigger our natural release of melatonin, which is important for our body to signal, hey, it's time to go to bed. Oh, wow. Yeah, so those are some recommendations. That's great. And how does sleep change as we age? Unfortunately... It gets more fragmented and just lower quality of sleep. So there's a natural production of melatonin from a particular gland in our body called the pineal gland. So as we age, there's actually a calcification of that gland and it stops producing as much melatonin. So some people over the age of 50 are melatonin deficient and would actually benefit from having a melatonin supplement. The second thing is that your bladder becomes a little bit weaker. I hear that all the time from my patients who are, you know, age 50 or above. Oh, yeah, I have to get up at night all the time to use the bathroom. Now, I want to be clear, getting up to go to the bathroom like once or twice, totally normal. But if you're getting up and you're a little bit older and you're getting up more than three times every night, there's actually some techniques that we can teach you here. And so you can talk to your doctor about getting a script.
1: And then what are some certain sleeping positions or maybe pillow configurations that can benefit the
0: sleep? Sorry to all the belly sleepers out there, but I just don't have a good recommendation. (laughs) Um, In fact, I actually have a lot of patients who come in and say, hey, like I I have a stiff neck or I feel like I have. It hurts my back. Right. Because it's not actually a great mechanical position, but... Lying on your side or on your back are better. So if you're a side sleeper, and I kind of oscillate between side and back personally. So if you're a side sleeper, you want to try to get the pillow all the way so it's touching like your collarbone. Mm -hmm. And then it fully supports your neck. And you might have your partner or somebody look at your head too when you're lying on your side. Because when you're like, let's say you're lying on your right side, your head might kind of tilt a little bit if your pillow is too soft. And you actually want to make sure that your head is still over your body or else you might kind of wake up with like a crick in your neck. Mm -hmm. So some simple things that I do here in the clinic just to demonstrate for people is I'll get some towels and fold them up and place them beneath the pillow. And since those are like thicker and they don't give as much as the pillow, sometimes that can be the trick until you find a pillow that's a little bit more dense. So if you're also sleeping on your side, you want to put a pillow between your legs to support your knees and your upper thighs Mm because that helps reduce strain on your lower back and SI. If you're a back sleeper, just put a pillow underneath your thighs, kind of up closer to your bottom. And Mm -hmm. that, again, helps to reduce stress on your lower back.
1: Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. If you're not sleeping the recommended amount for your age, how bad is that? What are the consequences of that?
0: Right. Well, I think a lot of people don't get enough sleep. So unfortunately, science shows that if you don't get the recommended amount of sleep just for one night. So let's say that you have one night of interrupted sleep, the dog's barking or you have something on your mind and you get about four hours of sleep. Your immune cells actually reduce by 70 percent.
1: Wow. Yeah. In
0: the time of COVID, that's pretty important.
1: And what about people who don't get enough sleep and they rely on caffeine? Is it something that we recommend, like just
0: drinking caffeine as a way to keep us up? It's all about dosage, right? So caffeine is okay. You just want to really focus on the dosage and the timing. So try to not drink caffeine eight hours before bed. Mm -hmm. And caffeine's a stimulant that helps keep us awake. But unfortunately, it competes with this particular chemical in our brain called adenosine. And adenosine naturally builds up throughout the day. And after we've been awake for about 14 or 16 hours, it signals our brain, hey, you've been up for 14 or 16 hours, you need to go to bed. But unfortunately, caffeine competes with that. So it binds to the same receptors in our brain, and it keeps us up, but it never sends our brain the signal of, hey, it's time to go to bed. So unfortunately, it just keeps us really ramped up until we crash. So that's how caffeine works, and it's okay to drink it in moderation.
1: What about naps? Can naps be a good substitute for not getting a good night's sleep?
0: No. Oh, no. So (laughs) naps aren't bad. I'll go into a little bit. Naps are bad. No, no, they're not bad. Sorry. Naps aren't bad. (laughs) Uh, So I'll go into a little bit more about naps. So naps are absolutely not a substitute for poor sleep chronically. Naps can be helpful if you take them before 1 or 2 p.m. And they do help with heart rate regulation, blood pressure and insulin levels. And they can help regulate your mood, too. Oh, wow. Yeah. So naps can be beneficial. But if you're struggling with sleep or you have insomnia, you might want to look at your napping schedule. So if you consistently take naps longer than 30 minutes or later in the afternoon or evening, that could be contributing to your insomnia because Mm -hmm. it's interrupting your natural sleep-wake cycle. And the worst thing that you can do is fall asleep in front of the TV after dinner oh, wow. and then try and get up and go to bed. Because it's like snacking before dinner. You're not going to be hungry. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. So power naps are OK. Napping's OK. It can help you with memory retention and problem solving, but it doesn't help with higher cognitive functioning. So it's not a substitute for a poor night's sleep. That makes so much
1: sense. Yeah. And can you tell us a little bit about melatonin or sleeping pills? Some people rely on taking supplements for sleep. How good or bad this could be.
0: Yeah, so I'll start with sleeping pills. So, sleeping pills actually block REM sleep. REM is short for rapid eye movement sleep, and REM sleep's a phase of sleep that's really important for like memory retention, problem solving, and that's where you dream too. So, Sleeping pills block that phase of your sleep, unfortunately. And that phase of your sleep is also related to mortality. So there are some detriments for not having REM sleep in your natural night sleep cycle. Sleeping pills are only meant for short term use, not chronic or long term use. As I'm sure you know, there's a ton of sleep supplements out there. As I said before, we naturally produce melatonin and it can help regulate our natural circadian rhythm. And in people over 65, they might actually be melatonin deficient and need a melatonin supplement. The other one is magnesium. So in women who are between the ages of 60 and 80, they could also be magnesium deficient. And that's a pretty easy thing to ask your doctor to test for in a blood test. And then supplementing with magnesium can be quite helpful for sleep aid. It's not helpful if your magnesium levels are normal. So you might want to ask before you start that. And then finally, valerian root is a really popular sleep aid out there. And it might work for some people, but the research isn't actually in favor of valerian root. It doesn't have a lot of support behind it. So those are some of the common sleep aids and supplements that I know.
1: Okay, Alexa, can you tell us a little bit about The most common sleep disorders like sleep apnea and restless leg syndrome
0: or narcolepsy? They do affect about 50 to 70 million U.S. adults. Wow. Yeah. So insomnia is difficulty falling asleep, staying asleep, or difficulty returning to sleep once you wake up. So there can be different causes of insomnia. It can just be as simple as a change in the environment or loud noises in your neighborhood or a change in your schedule. Sometimes hormone changes can also impact insomnia, and certain medications can also lead to insomnia. So sleep apnea is when you actually stop breathing for about 10 seconds at night and your oxygen levels reduce in your bloodstream. And it can occur at any age, but it's most common for men and women between the ages of 40 to 70 years old. And so some symptoms of people who have sleep apnea, they wake up with a dry mouth, a headache in the morning. They're really tired and fatigued throughout the day. So finally, restless leg syndrome is the irresistible urge to move your legs at night. And so some causes can be an iron or vitamin D deficiency. So again, just talk to your doctor and have your blood levels checked because it could be as simple as an iron or a vitamin B supplement.
1: Wow. What does irresistible need to or urge to move your legs look like? Um,
0: I I have a irresistible urge to move my fingers. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Try to put those fingers to work on the keyboard. But I think it's just when you, you know, kind of can't, stop shifting or people often tell me that oh my my legs feel like they're cramping my calves feel like they're cramping at night or I'm always tossing and turning in bed because my legs kind of feel heavy or uncomfortable those are the things that I hear from my patients a lot
1: so how can people tell if they have these disorders or what's a telltale sign that they need to seek help
0: I would say if you're chronically waking up and you're feeling just really fatigued if your energy levels are exceptionally low or if you have a partner who says, hey, you were kind of tossing and turning all night or you woke me up a couple of times because of it. Those are some telltale signs that maybe you should ask your doctor for a referral to a sleep specialist and get checked out.
1: That's awesome. And does insurance cover these treatments for this type of disorders?
0: Yeah, they should. And if you have questions, you can also always call your insurance directly and ask them the question.
1: Thank you so much for being here again, of
0: Alexa. Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: And we have some exciting news. Starting this month, two episodes of Health Matters will drop each month. New episodes will air on the second and fourth Tuesday. Thanks for listening.